everybody, and welcome to the Penalty Loop Podcast, a podcast about biathlon by Jordan Gottschalk from Penalty Loop and RJ Weiss from Biathlon Analytics. RJ, how you doing, man? It's been a whole week. A whole week I know, and it feels Cup. a lot longer for some reason. It, it does. Um, so part of it for me is that it's been so warm here that it was... Uh, we actually opened the pool today um, and it's, it's March 26th and we got in the pool. So um, it, nice. it's been, it's been quite hot. So it, it feels nothing like biathlon season anymore. Even yeah. the fact that we're doing what we're doing today even just seems weird because it's like the weather has changed like completely. Yeah. Well, it's, this is the season I I'm not very fond of because uh, we have the, the plus 10 Celsius during the day and then minus 10 during the night. And Ugh makes makes everything a big skating rink so yeah it's miserable can't but, you wait until you're teaching the boys how to drive and they get to go drive on the uh, the roads are not too bad actually oh, okay, but it's okay. more the sidewalks if you want to go for it because we want to get yeah. out now right and go yeah, for exactly. a walk and yeah. yeah well it's almost april so yeah it's supposed to be springtime <laughs> no well so normally the the range is usually closes probably the first or second week of April. And then they mm -hmm. basically bulldoze, bulldoze all the snow out. And then by May, it's ready for like uh, summer shooting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But my coach just sent an email that for, uh, in preparation for the World Cup, they are doing some uh, construction work. I don't think on the range, but more like the, the area before it. So it mm -hmm. might not be open until the end of the summer. Oh, wow. So we'll how have to do? see how that's going to work, but. Well, I can roller ski in town here, but uh, yeah, the shooting, I'm probably just going to have to dry fire or something. Yeah, that's frustrating. I'm sorry about I don't that. think the local police will be happy if I start <laughs> practicing in the park. <laughs> I'll just come on down here. Nobody's going to notice. Yeah. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. Yeah. It's not that bad. <laughs> um, so, season in the books. Season in the books. The first full season of the Penalty Loop podcast. Our second season, but our first one going start to finish. Yeah, that too. Yeah, yep. yeah. I meant I meant to ski uh, the biathlon season, but uh, yeah, we are too. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. I I, I followed you, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> I had to pat ourselves on the back too. <laughs> so I'm gonna start with a uh, trivia. I've got a couple of trivia's throughout the uh, the episodes. Okay. Um, how many um meters? It's already tricky for you. Mm -hmm have all the uh, race participants in the World Cup, including Oberhof, skied in this season. How many, like, combined meters for all of them? Or yeah. is it how much has each individual person skied? No, everything added up. Women, men, oh, everything at World Cup Good level. gracious, right? So, so each individual men's sprint race is 10 kilometers long. I could probably do some rough math here but i mean i don't know what is it like it's 43 kilometers? million meters so that's uh forty-three thousand kilometers holy cow which is what <laughs> roughly a hundred and feet roughly that's insane how far is that is that is it how far is the moon i to be honest i'm gonna I, google I it right know. here you pretty far know. that's uh but yeah, so um, all the 
ski distances for each race combined is almost 600,000 meters or 600 kilometers. Mm -hmm. And then if you per race multiply that with the uh, participants that we had in total, there were uh, almost 3,600 participants. So every individual per race. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at uh, level two, so that's IBU cup level, it was uh, uh, 39,000 kilometers. And at the youth junior level, it was uh, 30.5,000 or 30,500 kilometers, roughly. Slackers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pick it up. Um, those are some wild numbers. So I just looked it up. The moon is 380 some odd million kilometers or yeah, meters away. So right. uh, they skied roughly a little over a tenth of the way to the to the moon. Yeah. So way to go. Way to go, everybody. So there you go. But it's still, <clears throat> you know, 110,000 at uh, three level combined. It's outrageous. It's an insane, insane number of <laughs> kilometers. Yeah. Well, and, uh, hey, and the first season with crowds. First season like with crowds. Like a full, first, first full season, season again since COVID. That was, was really so nice, nice, wasn't it? Yeah. It was so nice. And it seemed like, you know, there were, you know, the the, the crowds everywhere were great. And, and I appreciated mm-hmm. them. I was obviously very jealous of them all, you know, being out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And, and as far as I remember, I don't recall any COVID-related issues in the crowds. Like, obviously, we have some... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some impact on athletes and we'll we'll dive into that. But um nothing there wasn't like outbreaks or or at least not uh that made the news. Nothing so that made the news. Yeah. 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 So yeah. And and yeah, I think that it was uh, a good time was had by all. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. I'm and it's funny too that... where where, you know, when it's sort of back to what was normal you really quickly forget about these super quiet races where you could actually hear the, the coaches. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's, it kind of it, feels, uh, it's a, just like a distant wisp of a memory. And maybe that's yeah. cause I'm getting old and my memory doesn't look good anymore. <laughs> yeah. It just, yeah, it just feels like it's sort of completely faded away. Yeah. Um, and there was a, there was a time there, you know, in the middle where you're like, Oh my God, is this ever going to be normal again? But, um, it really, it really wasn't that long. Speaking of COVID, yeah. you know, who didn't get COVID this year? Uh, during the biathlon season was the king of Norway. So um, <laughs> everyone did a, a much better job. Apparently the postseason party was much more tame. You know, the king wasn't out there picking uh, yeah. up COVID from everybody. Have you, I, I've been quite busy uh, the last couple of days. So I haven't really followed the news, but do you know if there was another big outbreak of uh I didn't, I didn't see anything about it. To, it seemed like yeah. everybody was able to, everybody that wanted to was able to participate in their, their respective national championships. I remember last right. year at like the Norwegian national championship, there's like nobody there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I always find the national championships to be kind of funny anyway, though, because it just seems like the, the world cup level people, especially like I should say for, for countries like Norway, they don't really, I don't think. Well, I, I read somewhere that uh, JT Bo won the Mars start, uh, mass start. Did he win the mass start? Yeah, but he, he got like third in the third in the sprint race, which I just find uh, hilarious after sweeping every single sprint race. And well, uh, so that's that's two cups or championships where it really matters. You know, yeah. your your home championships and <laughs> and the world championships, and and he didn't yeah. win there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so all right. Um. Yeah, so we had uh, we had crowds, we had 
we had some great venues. Uh, the weather wasn't as great this year. Um, seemed like more than I remember, but uh, a lot of rain and uh, rain and, and dirt and mud. Uh, but at least we had uh, we had some pretty moments in, in Anholtz. Anholtz came through for us, and uh, Oberhof had a couple of moments in between the fog and the melting snow. And and Oslo uh, had a couple. Of Oslo, Oslo, good, right. Oslo yeah. had a couple of good moments too. But you say you know bad weather. Yeah. Uh, I did a little bit of analysis. You're jumping from one trivia question to the next here, but oh, uh, well, it's because I knew. So um, I looked at all the venues and their um, shooting stats, basically for all the World Cups that they have, and then I compared them to the to the shooting percentages that they had this year. Mm-hmm. And not surprisingly, all all venues were higher than you know, the average of their existence because obviously yeah. the shooting percentages got improved. But which one do you think was most improved? So over compared to what they're yeah. what they are all time and com- and then compar- uh, compared to this season's shooting percentage. Biggest jump. Uh Anholtz. No, Antholtz was fourth. Uh, so it was actually Ustersund, and I would have never picked uh, necessarily. But yeah. when I saw that Ustersund was uh, almost 7% higher than their average, I do kind of remember that there's always lots of wind, and I don't wind, recall yeah. seeing too much wind there. But uh, no. yeah, so Ustersund was, was almost 7% better wow. than their average. And then Pokoyuka, Oberhof. And then uh, Annecy oh. was pretty much the same, so that was kind of the the slowest or the the, the least difference. Huh. But there you go. Interesting. Yeah, Annecy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next we'll have to analyze the ski speeds at Annecy versus <laughs> previous. Well, I don't know if you still remember that race. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what With I mean. The Fisher skis. Yeah. <laughs> man, oh man. Yeah. You know, the more the more I think about that race. And that uh, JT Bow still came in third. Yeah, I know. Is even more mind-boggling. It's more, yeah, uh, it becomes more and more impressive. Also, I it I appreciate it more because it it ended up having zero effect on the overall. Right? It's not like right. it's not like you can go back and say, wow, you know, you know, this race ended up being a, a really big deal. But um, but really- if he had won that, which I think under normal conditions he would have. He would have not just swept the sprints, but he would have, would have also swept the pursuits, right? He would have swept the pursuits as well. I can't. But, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's just nuts. So isn't that crazy that you're 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 setting the new record for wins, and then you kind of know that you really should have had another one because you were so much better that weekend, right? But it's like just yeah through some like I can't remember even like I'm sure there's a lot of uh, races where good and bad skis have an impact a little bit but like to this extent I don't really recall that happening. That was just a bit freaky. Like somebody with his technique and you see him going like literally worse technique than I have (laughs) because he just couldn't get his edges in. That was uh, that was odd. Yeah, it'll be one of those ones where, and not that I'm sitting saying I'm going to sit here and rewatch old races, but you know, 
if it was on and like you had never seen biathlon before like oh that's like one of the 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 greatest biathletes of all time you'd watch and be like that guy the guy that can barely stand up you know like that he's one of the greatest of all time <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, yeah that's the one <laughs> yeah um you know speaking of so one of the we we had a couple of things you know we went through and we made our lists of things that really stood out to us and i think that uh to the surprise of nobody uh jt Bose, uh incredible season was mm-hmm. right at the top of my list i mean it was uh, really record-breaking. I'm going to toot my own horn here. So uh, maybe not toot my own horn, but but self-promote would be a better way of putting it. But um, finally, so I created my website two years ago uh, in January, and I finally decided what I want to do with it. This entire time, I've just been sort of, I've been doing things, but I didn't know what I really wanted to to do. And I, I think I want to use, I was a historian, I was a history major in, in college, and um, I kind of want to make it more of like a repository sort of for biathlon history. So I started a new tab, the biathlon history tab. I'm going to put in things about there about the best biathletes of all time, the greatest biathletes of all time. And I'm going to put in some history pieces on the histories of, um, of different uh, federations. So I've already got one up there about the Swiss men that I did um, a few months back. And then I'm going to keep doing the weekend uh, recaps because I think that, uh, you know, when I, when I years from now, 20 years from now, I look back and I look, you know, want to see, learn more about the season. Those re- weekend recaps will kind of tell me kind of what was going on at the time, mm-hmm. more so than just looking at the the, the top twenty in the overall. Um, so, that's so cool. I, I I think that I I'm going to keep doing that. I think that's kind of where I want the the site to go. So, but where I was going with this is I I put up a piece uh right before Worlds that I just updated, and it was uh, titled "Is JT Bo is he the greatest biathlete of all time or the best?" And if you read the piece, you know, I, I break down what that means. The greatest being, you know, had the greatest career and the best being who had the best season. So who at their peak, what, you know, mm-hmm. if you, if you lined up all these guys at their peaks, who would have been the best? And, and I still think, you know, this was an amazing season. I still think Bjorn Dahlen, you know, is the best or the greatest, excuse me. He's the greatest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's a, uh, you can look at the numbers. I've actually got, got them all in the piece laid out, like their number of wins, top tens, podiums. Uh, Olympic medals, all, all the things you would want to see and kind of where my reasoning was. And I didn't just look at those three guys. I looked at, you know, about 15 different people. Um, but I do think, you know, hands down, I think everybody would agree that this was probably the best season that we're ever going to see from from a, a biathlete. And, um, you know, and, and so if I'm looking at who is the best biathlete, who who had the best season, I think that that uh, JT Bo made it a really good argument for himself uh, this mm-hmm. season. And I just kind of wanted to run through what we saw and that was uh <clears throat> 19 wins so he won 82.6 percent of all of the races he competed in this season and it's important races he competed in because he did miss the two uh the two races in ostersund right. uh, he had 22 podiums and 23 races which is 95.7 percent which i am probably going to say is never going to be matched unless somebody goes i mean 100 percent. so uh i don't know um, his, uh, skiing, uh, versus the top 10, he was almost 2% faster than the average guy in the top 10. Uh, he was almost 6% faster than the average, uh, biathlete, his shooting percentages, 92.6, 87.4 and 90% total, uh, was his total shooting percentage. And, uh, his shooting average shooting time was 26.5. And that was for both prone and, and standing. Right. Um, and then you add into that, the fact that he had seven world championship medals, five of which were gold. It's uh, just a pretty wild, 
collection of stats. And and it's not like like I and I've made this point several other times this year. It's not like everybody else was bad. It's just that he was on a level yeah. that we've we've when when you were one of the best skiers of all time in biathlon, and then you add on to the fact that you shot ninety percent, like it's yeah. just what are you gonna do? I mean, there's there's you can't compete with it. And um, do you know how many different biathletes? So we're gonna rule out. So after that first race of the season where he got twelfth, he had three third place finishes. Do you know who finished in front of him? Legride. Yes, I think he actually. Legride did it twice. Yeah. He's the only person uh, to do it twice. Oh, Christensen. Yes. Probably. Yep. But I'm not sure if he won or a second. He was and I'm second. thinking maybe Taribo? Nope. It was Dalla. Oh, uh, hang on, hang on. Uh, Pantaloma? Nope. Yes. Yep. And okay. Samuelson in the okay. World Championships. Yep. So that was it. It was five people after the first race of the season. Only five people ever finished in front of him, which is just a crazy thing to think. Like if only five men ever finished in front of him the entire season after the very first race. Yeah, it like I was trying to sum up his season, and and a couple things stood out to me. One was that QFM had an, a fantastic season, and we talked a lot about dominance. Mm-hmm. And still, it feels this season is even so much better. Yeah. Where so if you when... would have told me last year after the season that, man, this this is a, not a record as in breaking record, but just like a, a, a score record yeah. that's not going to be beat anytime soon. And then, you know, to, to come on top of that like this, uh, that stood out to me. Um, so it's funny you mentioned it. I even, I looked up QFM's numbers from last year to compare them. So QFM had uh, 10 wins, which was, that's a great, I mean, that's a great season. Yeah, no you look kidding. at like 10 wins, like four cods, best year was 14 wins, right? Yeah. Um, let's see, uh, Bjorn Dahlen's best season, 12 wins. Uh, so, I mean, it's not like, you know, 10 wins is awesome. 16 podiums last year. I mean, these are, yeah. these are huge numbers. And yet what JT did this year just blew them out of the water. Yeah. Well, and, and like you said, like, it's not like there was no competition yeah. in the sense that like Legrite still had a fantastic season. Christensen yes. still had a fantastic season. Um, but the, yeah, the other thing is when I wrote that piece in the Biathlon Insider and where it basically came down to for the pursuit, no, for the sprint that Legrite had to shoot clean and ski one of his best performances. And then JT Bo mm-hmm. still had, I think it was 1.9 um, penalties that he could have. And that was to the number two. Like if yeah. you went down that list, it was three laps and four laps. And that that was just... It was... It was... And, 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 oh, and the third one was that I kept thinking, you know, because he, he seemed to get to his peak just before uh, Oberhof. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I kept thinking, how long is he going to keep that? Maybe just after Oberhof, maybe a little bit longer. And he just basically kept going, and then he, you know, he had the the positive test for COVID, yeah. Yeah. and he came back and and he won the last three races and <laughs> just didn't stop. It was so incredible. yeah, that that was kind of what really stood out for me. You, I mean, there's so many different things you can use mm-hmm. to sum up 
his season, right? And the fact that like in in since twenty twenty three started, he won every race but one. Which is a crazy thing to think about. Yeah. yeah. And like you said, he had he had a positive COVID test, came back and then just won three more races. Like it was nothing. Yeah. And it's not like he it's not like he squeaked him out. Like he looked <laughs> very good in those in those three yeah, races. Kidding, yeah. Oh. Um yeah, it was uh it wasn't it wasn't even boring. Like he it was just the way he did it was just was really was really wild. Yeah. At least it wasn't boring to me. I'll put it that way. I, at some point I just learned to to enjoy every every moment of just Well, it's the, just watching in awe, right? It's, yeah. And then especially like you said, like he's always been a fast skier, but just the the way he was shooting, especially in standing with the confidence and mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. Like if you were to say like, you know, I, somebody tweeted out like name your top five memories of the season that weren't JT. And I was like, if you, if you'd asked me to name my top memories of him from this season, mm-hmm. um, you know, there would be obviously the, the, <laughs> we mentioned Annecy, but um, what you, exactly what you just said, the, the standing shooting, like the confidence, how fast he shot, like, especially in Oberhof, like how many shootings did he have in Oberhof? Like the standing shootings are like, 18 seconds, 19 seconds, 21 seconds, mm-hmm. like these just crazy shoes. They would just get up there and just bam, 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 bam. Well, and then he messed up his, his season average by his, uh, <laughs> you know, silencing the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Pumping his fist before uh, the final shot. Or... Uh, I don't yeah. know. Seven seconds, dude, man. What were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and then, you know, He's not. I, I I didn't look up if he's in the top ten for shooting speed, but he's not even mm, the fastest. No, he was right? uh, he was like thirty first or something like that. Yeah. So imagine if he can even get better at that. I know. I I, I wonder how. Like obviously you live on a cloud, right? Where you're you're so confident and everything. The skiing mm-hmm. is just must feel like flying and stuff. But I also feel like you can only go down from this, but. Maybe he maybe he can still get better. Well, that's because I was going to mention this too. It's not like I I I remember we talked about this back at the beginning of the season, and that he came in on such a high note, on such a high level, and it was like, wow, how long can he keep this up? You know, like eh, this can't this can't go on forever. And of course, it did go on forever. I mean, spoiler alert: he, he won almost every race. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know he did it for a whole season. Can he do it for another whole season? Can he do it for two or three more whole seasons? I have no idea. Yeah. And I, I don't want to take anything away from, from, uh, from his performance, but I'm more curious, um, how like, you know, QFM had some, whatever it was this season, but Mm -hmm. he, it was pretty clear after a couple of races that he wasn't going to challenge, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. at least in the beginning of the season, uh, same for Samuelson. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't showing as that he was ready to, to go challenge Bo, uh, unless things would really change during the season. And I also wonder how much that helps his confidence. Cause I mean, especially yeah. in the beginning, I think he was really like, like, right. Was the only one keeping up with him. Yeah. Right, that lasted about three weeks. <laughs> like yeah. I said, ah, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, like it would be amazing to see another season like this. But then yeah. maybe with QFM back in his form yes. from the previous season and and Samuelson 
yeah. where we kind of expected him to be this year and Ponsaloma even a little better. Like, yeah, I, I have no issue with his... JT Bo winning again and, and yeah. having the same results, but um, it, it would, would be like, like I said, I really enjoyed watching it just f for the almost perfection of it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, for the, for the race excitement, it was, was maybe not like when you get to a point where you secretly hoping that he's going to miss it one or two, mm -hmm. because then it would make the, the race well, more exciting. Than... In sprint races, right? If you saw him go five for five on the sprint or on the, on the prone, it was over. Like that was, it's like, yeah. okay, that, that race is over. It didn't, if he was in bib one, if two. he was in, yeah, in bib one or bib 10 or bib 32, it didn't matter. Like it was, there's yeah. no, no way that you're going to see anybody else catch up to that. So, yeah. um, and also I wonder how you mentioned this a little bit, but just for him knowing that QFM or Samuelson didn't really have it this year. Um, you know, you, you line up for the start and you're like, I am just so much better than everyone right now that mm -hmm. when you get to the range, there's really less, there's just, yeah. I don't know, the less pressure. Cause you're like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. Yeah. And then you're shooting 90% anyway. So whatever. So it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause did you say his standing was 87? His standing was, thank you for asking, was 87.4%. His prone, 92.6. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Here's a trivia question for you. Who shot better, QFM last year or JT Bow this year? Combined? Yeah, total, total shooting. Uh, I'm still going to say JT Bow. He did, Yeah. And it's funny because in my memory, QFM was great last year, but he was 88.6%. Yeah. Which is still very good, but... Yeah, no kidding. Not 90. Yeah, I think that that was kind of a... Like a bit of a disappointment this season that QFM just didn't come back yeah. to the same level. And of course, we already had to miss Mark de Roisland and Tyrell mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. during the season, Elvira and Jacqueline kind of for different reasons, but we're kind yep. of out of the race. Yep. Um, we lost Preutz. What was it like after she tried until she, Antholtz, I think. Yeah. I don't and even that's remember. Where she, there were so many things that went wrong. I think you're right. I think she came back and Antholtz was like, I just don't have it. And then, yeah. And, and I was really looking forward to see if, uh, you know, the, the races from Bucken last year, yeah. if he would continue that this year. And obviously he has some other things on his mind. Yeah, hopefully, so, and, uh, hopefully he's on recovery. I don't, I don't know what uh, what his status is, but that's a lot. A lot of people who were not there or not on their top level, yeah, not, you know, just for whatever reason, just didn't quite live up to maybe where we thought they might be. Um, it's hard, you know. Yeah, but you know, that's maybe a, a good jump to uh, to the to the women. Yeah. yeah, somebody who has always struggled with inconsistency showed up this year for sure did she ever julia simone our yeah. uh, women's overall champion and a worthy champion uh she is um so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna promote myself again i wrote another piece about <laughs> julia simone and uh i'll post that i'll post that uh tonight or tomorrow morning so you guys can all read it but um in there i make the you know i i here here's my whole my whole thing we we talked so much this past you know the off season leading into the season how and, and it felt like every race how deep the women's field was and like you could go to a mass start and you could you could make credible arguments for about 20 different women that they could actually right. win the race right and and you looked at the list before the season you're like there could be any number of you know 
six, yeah. seven, eight, nine women who could compete for the overall. And, and Julia Simone was one of those women. And she, she really was the best almost from the very start of the season to the end. I mean, there was, she had, it was for, like you said, for a woman who was so marked by inconsistency, she somehow became mm-hmm. the most consistent thing about the women's biathlon field this year. That's pretty, as fun. Well, and it's, you know, it's hard to compare to JT Bo because, you know, that was an incredible consistency. But um, I think one difference was that she didn't have, like, she still had some off races, but she didn't have them as often and they mm-hmm. weren't as yep. bad. Like nope. her, her bad races were 16th, 15th and 18th. Yeah. Which is yeah. still in the points. And, yeah. you know, it's still, still decent. If that, if those are your worst results, like yep. the majority of athletes would, would sign up for that instantly. Right. Immediately. Yeah. So, yeah, I know it's like, uh, those are, I mean, those are all really good, really good scores. I, I think what stood out to me was not even that the wins and the podiums, it was the number of races where I would think to myself, Oh, Simone doesn't look like she's racing as well today. And then she would finish like seventh or sixth, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, there she is, you know, she yeah. is the, the, the sort of limiting the damage and, uh, just, just, just being consistent. Like I keep coming back to that word, which is so funny because for people who have been fans of biathlon and watched her for so long, I mean, it was just like the word that came to mind was inconsistent. I can't get past this, but, yeah. um, you know, she just was, she was, she was always right there. So the big, and again, I'm going to step on my own piece here, but, uh, uh, you know, we, we looked at her, we always knew she was fast. Like she was always a good skier. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, around the top 10, she was really competitive and it was always the shooting that would go up and down hot and cold. Like she would one day shoot, you know, 85 or 90%. And the next day she would shoot like 65%. And there was really yeah. no rhyme or reason why. Um, but, uh, something that I had noted was it was about the middle of the season last year that it seemed like something clicked, something changed. I don't know what it was, but I actually went back and looked and you can actually pretty well identify the exact day that everything changed for her. It's pretty amazing. So, uh, it was, uh, December 16th of last season. So, or two seasons ago. So the 2021, 2022 season, and that was a sprint race in in Annecy. And that was, uh, just so you know, that was the 83rd race of her career. So, which, uh, was about, uh, 65 ish percent of her career had before then. And then it's been about 35% of her career after then. Right. If you, I have a, a whole plot. If you look at the plot on real biathlon, I have it in, in my piece and you just look at the plot of her shooting percentages, you know, every single race that she ran and all the different, you know, the, the shooting percentages, you know, it's just like this crazy up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. And then after that point, it's like, it's like you just took that and you just bumped it up and you took away all the really bad, the really bad shooting percentages. Before that date, her career shooting percentage was 77.3%. After that, it's been 85.8. Um, since then, she has never shot. I think the lowest she has gone was uh, 70. And it was like, which is not great. Don't get me wrong. But before that, she was regularly going into like the 60s and 50s. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just been it's been pretty cool to see. It'd be really fascinating to to know if, you know, even if it was like a change in her rifle or... yeah. Like it, uh, it maybe, is maybe she got contacts or you know something like that. Where... Seriously, everybody, like go look it up. It is it is 
really profound. I in in my piece I drew like a red line so you can so it blocks it. You don't need the red line. You can see it's like after this date <laughs> everything gets better. Like the 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 top numbers are all higher and the bottom numbers are all higher. It's like everything just got shifted up 10 to 15 points. Um mm. I I had some pretty interesting numbers about it. Before before that day she shot 75% or worse in 37% of her races. Since then, she shot 75% or worse in just 13% of her races. In those first 82 races, she shot 90% or above in just 22% of all races. Since then, she shot 90% or better in 50% of all of her races. Wow. It's just, I mean, it's, it's again, like you said, there something changed. I don't, like, was it context? Was it the rifle? Who knows? But it's, it's pretty cool. And since then, she's been awesome. Well, and I find it fascinating that that change happened during a season. Like right? I can see yeah. that in the off season, you try something new and all of a sudden things work better. But that something ch- changed during the season almost makes me think it must have been like a technical thing on her rifle. But yeah, And it wasn't even knows? like on a hot, like during one of the breaks in between the trimesters. It was right. Like just a, like, I don't know. I, that's really incredible. And and this is not to overlook the fact that she was, I think, the third fastest woman this year, uh, behind like Lompic and Elvira. Right. Um, so like she's obviously didn't she didn't lose anything there. But, no. but maybe uh, uh she ran into uh Samuelson that day and he said, Oh, make sure you <laughs> tighten your barrel. <laughs> eh? Yeah. He was yeah, he was he was on it then. Oh, well, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> well you you no. did you see the story uh Baiba um realized I don't remember when it was, but it was like an, an overhaul for, was it later? She realized that there was actually a problem with her rifle and it's been kind of messed up for a while now. Um, really? Yeah. So I know like I've never, I think they call it a diopter. It's basically the, the, the ring that you look through, mm-hmm. like your, I, I guess that sort of projects the target on the actual target, uh, that's at the end of your barrel. And, um, I've, I've never changed mine. I just, got the one that was in it but uh apparently that can make a huge difference as well and yeah. uh especially on a very personal preference basis so i know there was talk about people changing it for was it oberhof that they mm-hmm. were talking about changing them so that they could see better in the fog <laughs> so i don't know maybe they change them regularly but uh just curious if it was something like that i would love to Obviously, I would love to interview her for many reasons, not the least of which is that she's apparently a, a magnificent woodworker, and I want to know more about that, but um, I just want to know what happened. Yeah, well, I doubt that she would tell you. <laughs> I know. Offline. Especially if it's something that other people could use, too. I know. When we but... run into her next year at Soldier Hollow. Yes. Or, or Canmore, when they're giving her her second overall globe, we'll, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll pull her aside and have her share her secrets with us. Yeah. <clears throat> so Another, go what I was going to say is off of that, one of the things that I, I noticed, and I was just looking at this because of my thought of, you know, the the women's field felt so open and, and Julia Simone kind of rose to the top. So I took like the top 15 of the women and the men and just kind of compared them next to each other. And it's it's really amazing how, by and large, how young the women are. And we've talked mm. about this a lot, but... I'm just going to run through these are the ages I, I mentioned, by the way, are ages for next season, not this season there for next season. So you have Simone is 27. Uh, Vera is going to be 33. Fatazzi will be 28 and then 29. 
Elvira, 24, 25, Tangible, 27, Hannah, 28, uh, Davidova, 26, 27, Hauser, 29, 30, Jean Monod, 25, uh, Vogt, 26, Pearson, 29, and Magnuson, 28. It's a lot of really young women mm-hmm. that are good. And I, you know, and I, I went through that whole list because I could see all of them being, you know, top 10, top five contenders next year. And then you go to the men's side and you've got JT is going to be 30, Legride 26, 27, Christensen 31, Dole 33, uh, Ponce Saloma is going to be 28, uh, Tarje Boa, if he continues, which I assume he will, is 35. Uh, Dallas 30 or 26 QFM 31 Roman Reese 30 31 Fabian Claude 28 29 I mean you get the picture and then and then Hartwig and Giacomel you know 23 24 and 23 it's just a mm-hmm. lot of older kind of 30s year old guys yeah um, it's just, just where sort of if an... I remember correctly when I did the analysis on peak age it's the women that usually peak later a little bit later right yeah yeah so I don't know if uh, if we just are, are in a, a boom for for young women right now, and they're all they're all coming up, and we're in a, we're in a great age, or if there's just sort of a a little bit of a hole for great young men. I don't know, but um, I do find interesting though that um, I thought the uh, like Jean Monod was quite a bit younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, being a being a, a rookie basically. At, yeah, at twenty five, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe they just handled her a little bit different. Maybe she was blocked because of other people on the French team. But yeah, I agree. In knows. my in my head, Most she was like twenty three. People just peak later sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Can't always see it coming. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious to see kind of how that plays out, and because and it feels that way in my head too. That it felt like there were a lot of there's a lot more variance on the women's side, and maybe part of that was because of JT Bo being so dominant but it just felt like the men's side was more fixed yeah i'm sure there's no and like you said other than um hartwig and um and jacomel i know that there was some younger fins at some point but mm-hmm. if you look at the whole uh, and i mean legride is still very young this, yes. this was yes. his second full season i think third yeah third full season <clears throat> um yeah other than and those guys, there were a lot of athletes that just feel like it's, they've been around for for a while. Yeah, not as um, not as much young blood. Yeah, but I guess also you part of that too is we've seen so much turnover on the women's side recently. It feels like all the retirements year and year out are all on the the women's side. So maybe it just yeah, is that's true. Just yeah. the turnover. That's just where it is. Yeah. I interrupted you. You were going to go off on something else, but I apologize. Oh, yeah. No, I was going to mention that I'm currently working on a piece and I was hoping that it would be ready, but I'm working on the uh, points scored by under 25 athletes per season Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. that compares year over year and how they compare to the over 25s, etc. But uh, hopefully the next podcast, we can talk about that a little bit. Yes, absolutely. Um, Another thing that I also worked on and published um but that sort of stood out was the the streaks oh yes. we, uh, yeah yeah had a number of amazing streaks going on and uh hopefully people have have been able to find the article i i recently wrote on my uh, on my website but um there was a bit of a weird data issue with um uh, the pursuit in antholz for the men didn't track the individual shots 
So you could still see that, huh. you know, the first prone was zero, second prone was one miss, mm -hmm. standing one miss, and the the second standing zero, something like that. But you couldn't see for every individual shot. So, of course, it's going to have an impact on the streaks. So according to those calculations, the, um, the streak that uh, Simonator ended on for this season, at least, was uh, 109, which is still incredible. Um, but yeah, he's been surpassed by uh, Justice Justus Strelo from Germany, who is actually still on an active streak. So if he oh. uh, continues hitting targets in the new season, he's going to even expand on that. But he's, yeah, 114 prone hits in a row. And uh, yeah, so Seminator, uh second in 109. Now, this only goes back, um, I think, five seasons. So it's possible that uh, Forcad or Bjorn Dahlen had longer streaks, but I don't sure. don't re yeah. don't foresee that. But um, um, yeah, Legride had a couple of, of streaks. Uh, he had 77 prone at some point. Tandrevold at 71 at some point. Samuelson, 73. Tandrevold had 77? 71. 71? Wow. Yeah. And there's a couple in there. You can you can see it on the on the dashboard and yeah. uh, and on the website. But uh, standing um, of the athletes that were active last year or in the in the past season, Simonator had the the highest with 64 standing, and that is also 64. a currently active streak for Nicholas Hartwig, uh, 49. Oh, uh, QFM at 49 at some point, um, huh. but then lost it. And then on the combined, the longest streak of currently active athletes uh, that are now done is uh, Seminator. So the streaks are done, not the athletes. Seminator yes. 89 <laughs> and uh, Christiansen 73. And the currently active highest streak is for combined is uh, Nicholas Hardwick as well at 60. And that really? was all. Uh, well, I guess yeah, Oslo, he, right? he did. Yeah, because like he, he did, shot clean. He did, yeah, he got clean for sorry. Oslo. Yeah. Man. So yeah, it will be interesting to see uh, if he's, he's going to come out and and go perfect in the yeah first week. Well, he won Contiolati this season, right? Uh, Did he win the first place, race? Yeah. But he's, oh, he's, he's going to come out and go perfect on the first weekend, and then we're going to be going crazy. This, yeah. This crazy person is like a hundred hits in a row. Yeah, and then and then so. For currently active streaks, Tamara Steiner from Austria is in 54 for prone. Uh, Lou Germano in 39 for prone. And I'm just picking out a couple here. but uh, And then for standing, Simonator is on 39, QFM on 38. Um, and then on the combined, so we have Hartwig at 60, and then Simonator at 36, Jakovac at 32, and Yusuf Strelo at 30. And it's really interesting to see Strelo because um, he started so-so because -so, he, he didn't race the, the whole season. He he only joined uh, around or after Ogohof maybe. But, uh, yeah, after a bit of a rough start, he's just been Hitting knocking them down. Yeah. What was his I, – I, I, I think I saw at some point his, uh, his prone shooting was something like it was like 97% or something like that. Yeah, I well, guess, it I guess has if to be if you, if you hit 114 in a row, yeah. yeah. So, uh, 
Yeah, it's uh, that's definitely something that sort of stood out to me for the season. Do you know? And is there any way to even like when 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 you look at the the streaks, like the longest streaks there have ever been? Like, if there are any season, any years that were particularly great years. I mean, I know we don't have that many years of data in which you were able to see the streaks, but um, like. Like, wow, 2019, there were like these crazy streaks. They're like, I don't know. If... No, but I do wonder. Um, and again, it's hard to say with the venue stats that I talked about earlier, because some some venues have been used for 20 years or even longer. Yeah. And those all those stats are in there. So automatically, it's going to be better now than 20 years ago. But um, I just wonder if this was just also a, a season where, generally speaking, the conditions were good. But yeah. still, it's... Uh, yeah, it's incredible to. Uh, I I really liked uh, when Biathlon Stats uh, published about the uh, clean shooting topic as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Claire Egan responded saying, "You know, it's it's yes. just incredible for people to shoot more than twenty clean yes. uh, shot or shootings." Uh, yes. Where, you know, I think she said she had one clean race. Was one, that it? Yeah, one in her yeah. one in her career. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's so. I, thanks to Biathlon Stats, you reminded me to uh, that I still had that um, dashboard to build after I think week five about clean shooting, and then um, I kind of just other things got priority, I guess. But uh, our our good friend from uh, Greenland, Denmark, oh, um, had the largest number of clean races per race that she participated in now it didn't make a distinction between uh sprint and the other races of course shooting clean and sprint is a bit easier because there's only two sure. yeah. Uh, yeah shootings but yeah so she shot 31.3 percent of her races were clean races um sterla home second with uh almost 29 percent and uh the before mentioned Tamara Steiner, 28.6, and then Vanessa Vogt, 26.9. Uh, wow. So imagine more than a quarter of your races to shoot clean. Man. And then I also looked at uh, clean shootings. And Tamara Steiner shot 71.4% of her shootings were clean. Which then also means that 71.4% of her shootings, so every series of five shots, yeah, was clean. Good Lord. So I, I think if I do the quick math, because she wasn't the uh, highest on the clean races, means that if she has a miss, then uh, often she has more than one. More than one shooting. miss. Which would... Yeah, to more than, so seven out of 10 times you, you go to a, yeah. shooting range during a race you you clean and on the on prone it was even 90.5 i would love to see what her you know like the like where the actual shots hit the like when when she had those misses and clearly when she had a miss she like you said she had more than one miss was she like clustering all like it, to me that does not sound like somebody who was like shooting wildly like that's like yeah they were missed, but it's, they were sort of where, I don't know, 
she was what is yeah, it she it, was, it she just was blows precise, my mind precise not accurate yeah that you that you can just you know 19 out of 20 times yeah yeah or sorry 18 so nine out of 10 times you shoot clean in in prone and then the highest for standing was um Vanessa Vogt with 61.6% of her shootings they were clean well and i also looked at the nations um and that is for um all including athletes that were active at least in the la the past season mm -hmm. possibly also before that but at least they were active in the past season um and it, i used all the uh, all the seasons and which nation do you think had the best percentage of clean races which nation do i think had the best percentage of clean races yeah which nation do i think had the best percentage of clean? so there's two things i'm thinking about and that's obviously which nations are really good shooters but also um i'm thinking about nations that are smaller because just fewer I did, actually i did um so any any country so because i'm looking at uh 2017-18 up to the past yeah. season yeah i filtered out nations that have less than 100 races in total okay okay so was it like oh i so i the ukrainians are generally good shooters right yeah where, where is it not they them? were third 11.8 uh, percent of their race okay. participants had a clean race okay um the germans no it's the austrians austrians yeah 13.5 yeah. i know i follow my heart it'll lead me to the right place yeah and uh rumania actually <clears throat> had the uh the second rumania. spot at 12.9 yeah. oh that's cool and then ukraine 11.8 norway 11.8 belgium 11.8 and then slovenia 11.3 hmm. and then germany 11.8 thank you lot lee yeah <laughs> yeah and then france and switzerland so you know that's those are crazy numbers yeah yeah you actually you told me the answer because you we had just been talking about ader and steiner and i was like oh well that yeah, that should have been yeah i suppose yeah yeah and then uh so austria had 48 percent of their shootings were clean yeah. <laughs> what and norway also f well actually 48.3 percent of their prone shootings were clean or sorry of their shootings were clean period yeah. So half, almost half the time they went to shoot, they were shot clean. <laughs> yeah. And that's, so that's for the last six years, <laughs> but not including athletes that have retired and did not yeah, participate in the last yeah. season. Yeah. And then for prone, um, the highest was Norway with almost 60% and Austria 58%. And then um, standing Belgium is actually the highest 415 and then, you know, your typical countries um, at the top there. But uh, is that on the dashboard as well? That dashboard is out there too. If you cannot see it, I am going to write a uh, post about it and, and probably put it on tomorrow. It's, it's, it's oh, on okay. Tableau Public. It Got may it. not be, it may be hidden. But okay. um, you're so since I'm kind of going on on uh, on nations doing well and not so well in uh, mm -hmm. 
in the season. Do you want me to uh, continue with World Cup points per nation? Yeah, let's do it. In the past season. Yeah. So to nobody's surprise, Norway obviously had the, the best points. No. Or the most points, uh, men and women combined for the last season. Yeah. And that's uh, only individual uh, non-team races. Yeah. And France, Germany, Sweden, Italy, Swiss, Austria, Czech Republic is not not shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I actually looked at the number of athletes that they had on the World Cup and the number of participants. So just to be clear, participants are athletes per race because mm-hmm. obviously um, multiple athletes do multiple races, etc. So... The Norwegians had 7% of the total points per athlete. Or no, sorry. So I'm reading this wrong. So they had 20% of all the points. They had 7% of all the athletes. And they had 8% of all the race participants. Mm -hmm. um, With an average points per athlete for the season of 364 and average points per participant so uh athlete per race 33. that's wild and that was the highest and then france with 26 points per participant and germany 22.3 wow so yeah with 22.3 percent yeah okay Oh, no, no, no. Uh, that's the average points per participant. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, for some reason, I was thinking it was like, I was like, good Lord. That's just a ridiculous number of points. I know, right? But so yeah, so in, so in total, they, they had, so they had yeah. 20% of all the points yeah. with 7% of all the athletes and 8% of all the participants. Yeah. That's just nuts. And then if I looked at, I also compared... Um, for men and women separately, I looked at the percentage of all points teams had last year and I compared it to this year. Mm-hmm. And the biggest improvers are Romania, Ukraine, Latvia, and Poland. Cool. On the men's side. Latvia. And on the women's side, it was uh, Canada uh, that improved by 1.3%. Oh, then yes, Italy, Slovenia, Switzerland, Ukraine crazy for a team like italy to improve that much yeah obviously they went from what sixth on the nation's cup they but that's for i mean to be that high up to start with yeah but i i'm thinking obviously um Fitozzi had a yes, really yeah. tough year last year Vera yeah. was good but not yeah you know when, when as good <laughs> as she was this year and then they had a, a number of young athletes that did really well right so yes yeah they had a number of young athletes who were able to to score points but i think the big one being batazzi she uh mm-hmm. came up to what was it third in the overall um you know that does wonders for you but especially when i think last season she was 31st in the overall so that's that's quite right. the year over year improvement yeah so yeah, yeah so that's uh and then there were some some lower scores but it's very influenced by, for example, you know, well, we have the a number of nations that did not participate. And then I don't know even if China participated a 
not this year. It, didn't, it feels it like participate didn't. until Worlds, and then it was yeah. sort of sporadic after that. Yeah. So I don't want to yeah. really uh, speak out to those, which also has an impact on that other nations get more or higher percentage, of course. But uh, sure, yeah, yeah. And then the last I'll say about uh, team developments. So I also looked at um, as a team the changes in shooting percentage, shooting time, range time, and ski time compared to the median of the, the ski time. Mm -hmm. And which nation do you think improved the most? Which nation do I think improved the most? In In which category? You can either pick a category or just basically add them just all up. Which nation do I think improved the most? So again, it's shooting percentage, shooting time, range time, and ski time. Uh, Switzerland. Actually, they're not. I mean, they did improve, but they were yeah. not like they're not in the top ten. Oh, really? Um. I was just but again, so it's improvement, right? For, so, yeah, my thought yeah. process for, for Switzerland was that Stalder, Stalder and, and Hartweg had these big years, and I thought the Gasparin sisters had a good year. And, yeah, know, yeah. And, and, that's, and, and uh, so But it can also be influenced by if you have two that didn't do very this well. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so as we just uh, also talked, Italy had a really strong year. Uh, yeah, they, that, uh, makes sense. that makes sense. Significantly increased their shooting percentage over seven seven points um shooting but time significantly improved for <laughs> yeah. percentage they reduced their time on average by seven percent and range down by or sorry seven seconds range time mm -hmm. seven seconds and then skiing they were actually a, a bit slower but barely you know um uh, it's fun to go back and look at any coaching changes that happened for a lot of these nations and, and yeah, see yeah where the where the improvements occurred yeah swiss did get a lot faster oh um they were probably with slovenia which we kind of know has a bit of the lampage effect mm -hmm. yeah uh yeah switzerland was quite a bit faster latvia was quite a bit faster compared to last year uh for shooting percentage the italians were the biggest improvers uh moldavia Austria, France were quite quite high. Really? And then for the time, it was again Italy with the highest, Bulgaria, Moldavia, or Moldavia. Bulgaria. Interesting. Yeah. Different emphasis. The USA I guess. was actually quite a bit faster shooting, almost hmm. uh, five seconds as a team. Wow. So. And I hopefully at some point, but it's going to take a bit longer. Uh, we'll publish that as well. But uh, yeah, I got a lot on your plate, though. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, sorry, it feels like I kind of just took over with all no, these. Uh, I thought that was fast numbers here. Yeah, no, I thought that was fast. I can't wait to to. Obviously, I've been poking around on the the dashboards as you were talking, but I. You know, mm -hmm. to see that the nation development stuff, I think, really fascinates me. Yeah, and I have a bit more of that, but uh, <laughs> maybe later. <laughs> well, we got another podcast coming up later this week. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> I wanted to, uh, I wanted to 
uh, actually, if you are okay with it, uh, give out some awards. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're not going to do the normal things. I mean, obviously the overall globe has been given out and it'd be easier to go through and say who was the best shooter or who was the, uh, who was the best, uh, I don't know, the fastest, blah, blah, blah. But uh, just some like the, some other things, right? So uh, looking at uh, kind of who would be your your breakthrough athlete of the year. And I wrote down some some names that I went through. And and uh, breakthrough, I tried to separate out people who were rookies and, and we'll put them in their own category. So I was looking at uh, just athletes who I thought made a big jump. So on the men's side, you had uh, Hartveg, <clears throat> Jacamel, Stalder, Adam Reynolds. Uh, I had Yusuf Strello uh, on there as well. Um, mm-hmm. We talked about him just a little bit. Um, and then on the women's side, I had um, Magnuson. Uh, Caroline Colombo actually surprised me. Mm. Uh, Suvi Minkinen, uh, Polona Klementic uh, were on there. Uh, and then I think I would also throw uh, Teresa Vorbonakova and Nadia Moser in there. Uh, and and I, could, I could make an argument for uh, Samuela Komala as well. But Mm-hmm. Those are the, the big names that came to mind. And I don't know if there was anybody for you that jumped straight out as like, these are the, this is the person that, that jumped out for you. Well, I, I think of, uh, did you mention Giamano? I did. Uh, oh, okay. no, I did not. I did not. And oh. the reason I did not is because I put her under the, the rookie category. Cause I think she only had a handful of races before this. Oh, season. okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, well, I think, uh, I guess she falls under the rookie as well, but Klebinger, Klebinger. Mm, yeah, yeah, yes. Had a, Talk about like, like it yeah. Still feels like she was kind of attituded. Well, didn't it have something to do with that? She, it was her or Hints coming back, and then yeah, and that was people were kind of surprised that it was Klebinger that came. Yes, and yep. She and just, then she never, never, left. never went away. She never went away. Yeah. Speaking but, of people sorry, who came, I said in and Klebinger, just, but it is Kabinger. Yeah, Without just started also. started school. Well, yeah, uh, threw you off with the Klemencic. Um Maybe yeah, <laughs> and uh, but uh, yeah, no, she she just refused to go away. If we're if we're gonna do rookies, honestly, like if I don't know if she would count as a rookie or what she counts as a, a breakthrough, but she would be right up there with my my rookie of the year because that's it was it, yeah she just she refused to leave in mm-hmm. a good way, not like in a in a yeah <laughs> yeah yeah not like in a a rowdy. Uh, person at a bar that just refused to, to leave. And like, <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I, for me, it was, uh, I, I, I'm not sure, you know, if you went by the numbers, you know, who you would, you know, pick, but I, I, for me, it was Clementich. I think she went from somebody I just didn't know at all to, I mm. felt like every weekend we, we saw a little bit of her. So I thought that was just, you know, and I, I mentioned on our last podcast, but eight, eight top twenties after having zero before the season was, was a big, was a big breakthrough and hopefully mm-hmm. with the uh, uh Rico well, she got better there, towards the end of the season too she right? did yep yep she uh, had a couple of uh she had a top 10 and then a couple of near top 10 so and then of course on the men's side i think it's it's pretty easy to say that it's either hartweg or jacquemel and whoever you choose there is you know yeah right <clears throat> cool stat about them so obviously we know that they battled for the blue bib the last time that there was a under 25, like the, you know, obviously the under 25 is a relatively new award they give out. But the last time that there was a battle for the top uh, two in the under 25 that did not include, include a new Norwegian or a Frenchman was 2006, 2007. Wow. Yeah. It's been a little while. Now it's, it's unfair because Forcad was in there for a bunch and then 
Johannes won a handful himself. So, uh, but yeah. still, it's been it's been quite some time since we had a, a top two under twenty five, non Norwegian, non French. That's cool. Do you know who won? It was Michael Roche, actually, of uh, Instagram uh, <laughs> fame now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, and then I, I had the the rookies I mentioned as well. So uh, we mentioned Kavinger, uh, Jean Monod. Um I also mentioned uh, Anna Gondola, uh, uh, so- Sophie Chaveau, uh, Schneider. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Steiner and Achenthaler for the women. On the men's side, I thought that uh, Anton Vidmar did and uh, Alex Cesar for the Slovenians did really well. Right, yeah. As uh, as as uh, rookies, and uh, and then uh, uh, Mikiska, the uh, the Czech, uh, he's like twenty three years old, um, had a, had a really nice year as well. I mostly saw him on the um, on the relays, but he had a, he had a couple of good legs. But yeah. did you happen to look into a Lampage mm. season total at all? Uh, in terms of I, oh, just. Um, you know, she came on in, with a bang, and I think she was fifth. Was that her first race that she got fifth? Yeah, I think she got she got uh, fifth twice. Um, she ended up racing nine total races, and there you go. So nine total races, um, and her best was the fifth, but uh, she had uh, a bunch of races where she was like fifty eighth, fifty first, fortieth, fiftieth to okay. close the year out. Yep. Still, you know. Where she kind of came out of the blue and yeah. only started shooting, uh, in, was it in May or something? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, do you know what her uh, standing percentage was? I'll give you this: was it over or under sixty-five percent? Oh, I was going to say it was probably under fifty, but forty-six point seven. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> but yeah, she'll get it. Well, you know what? For for someone who who skis that fast well and has um, never shot and who's practically never shot it's that's incredible that's yeah so um yeah and, and her shooting times weren't atrocious i mean her her average total shooting time was 34.6 36 34.6 seconds hmm. so, yeah, it made me cool. wonder somewhere during the season i was like is it harder well maybe i was gonna say is it harder for someone like ader who's been around so long to mm. improve, but he's obviously not a, a good example because his shooting time is already one of the fastest, if not the fastest. But if if you've been around for a long time, is it harder to then adjust your routines to become faster than somebody who now oh, that's a good learns point. based on you know all the the fast faster tricks, I guess if you want to call it that, yeah. Um, yeah. where you can just basically implement that right from the get go. Yeah, sort of a blank slate. Yeah. Whereas, like, Ader has, you know, 20 years of World Cup racing ingrained. That's a really good question. Before this uh, episode, I actually showed you a video. You You did. I recorded some shooting sounds. We've done it once before, and I wanted to actually um, use my my sound uh, from the camera range when I'm shooting. Um, and one thing I noticed on that video is by the time I'm actually loaded up and ready to shoot and then take another couple of breaths, the the faster shooters in the World Cup are already gone. They're already off the mat, yeah. And probably hit, <laughs> hit five targets. 
But uh, so I'm going to play you a clip. And again, your your job is to pick out the ones that were hits and which ones were misses. Ready? I'm ready. So was it hit, three misses, and then hit? Uh, it was close. The third one was a hit as well. Was a hit as well? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I struggled with that one. I, I couldn't tell exactly if that was a, if that was a hit or, or uh, what happened with that one. But Yeah, and it doesn't help that there's some uh, talking in the background probably. But uh, yeah, I have my, my phone recording right next to my head. So <laughs> you can hear the loading really well. But uh the shots and I thought about putting my like closing the range and putting my phone by the targets but decided not to <laughs> doesn't make many friends when you say okay everybody put your rifles back at the racks and I'm going to walk out to uh <laughs> no actually I, it, the the sound is really well it's it, it comes across really well and and you've probably listened to it so many times at this point that uh you, you can't hear it uh as much but yeah I know it, it it it's pretty remarkable um how just from listening to it, you can, you just know what happened. Yeah. Oh, and I know, I, I know people and I can kind of, cause it, when you hit it right smack down the middle, you hear this ping sound. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's really quite loud. And you can still have hits that are kind of on the edge that you don't hear that. But I, I, you know, there's, there's some people in my team that can just close their eyes and say, you know, oh yeah, uh, smack down the middle at shot mm -hmm. miss. So it's, uh, yeah, it grows with years, but, uh, we got to keep doing and, it, over uh, the, if, if, whenever you're out there, keep, keep recording so we can keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I'll, I'll try that for sure. Um, and I got one other question for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, you may have seen this during the season at some point, but I compared, um, for all standing shootings. This is not including sprints. It's only four shootings races. So individual mass start and pursuit. Got it. Okay. So I compared the standing shootings that were the final shooting of the race with the standing shootings that were either the second or the third mm -hmm. of the race. Do you think there is a significant difference between the shots per se of the, the second or third shooting or the final shooting? And do you think the fifth shot has a significant difference? difference in shooting percentage of all athletes, men and women. I think the fifth shot has a significant shooting percentage. So is the fifth shot of the final shooting? Yeah. Is it harder? Is it, is it harder? Hit less, is it hit less frequently? Yeah. I mean, my instinct is to say yes, just because I, the, it stands out in my head times when people miss the last shot, but over the course of a whole season, is it probably not? And I remember the ones that are racing for like the top three places, but I don't necessarily know what happens to the person that's mm -hmm. racing for like 27th, you know, maybe they hit it every time. I don't know. So my, right. I'm going to say, I'm going to say it probably comes out pretty close. So comparing the first four shots between final shooting and previous shootings is roughly within a second of each other. Um, but the fifth shot, the fifth shot of the final shooting is... 3% less hit than 
the standing wow. shooting. 3%. Before that. Yeah. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a huge amount. That is, yeah. Because um, I, so we're talking about well over 26,000 shots. Yeah. In to, uh, for all standing shooting, right? Not just a fifth shot, but. Uh, Talk about a sample size. Yeah. Huh. Well. I and actually, when my, I posted I it about gut. halfway through, I think it was almost 5%. So it, it has leveled out. Yeah. Um, which you would expect when you start adding more data. But um, so that's another dashboard that um, I'm going to try to post about, about all the individual shots, percentages uh, for prone and standing. Well, I'll give you a break. You can, uh, when I go on my brief, uh, we're going to call it a paternity leave. You can, uh, <laughs> yeah. you, have, you have a lot of, a lot of work. Geek out on all the data stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And text me. It doesn't matter what time. I'll be awake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did want to ask you before you go, do you have a, uh, if you were going to name your best men's and women's North American biathletes of the year, women's, I think is pretty easy. I, I would, I would go with Emma Lunder. Yeah. Although, um, yeah, I just strictly looking at the numbers. She had a yeah. fantastic season. Yeah. I was really impressed with Nadia Moser. Yeah, um, came she, on. she yeah. kind of came out of the, like, you know, I, you keep an eye on her because she's Canadian, but she just really stood out to me, uh, both in relays and in multiple races. And so that didn't she, and, and I could be totally wrong about this. Did she break her leg last year? I do not know. Um, hang on. I'm actually going to look it up, but I do. Yeah. I think in general, the, the Canadian women were quite strong um i must admit for the american women i don't recall any well i don't recall many surprises no, i think there was... were a couple of good results yeah um but yeah i don't think there wasn't like a, a top five like um Lunderhead no. or or something like that nothing like that uh i think i think uh sort of a growing year we have a lot of younger women that came up, you know, mm -hmm. Chloe Levins mm -hmm. and um, a few others. But uh, yeah, I think it's our first year without uh, without right. having Claire Egan and uh, Susan Dunkley Susan, around. So, yeah. yep, just trying to <clears throat> get our legs underneath them again. But yeah, yeah I think, think, think Emma Lunder and Nadia Moser were great. Yeah, and then on the men's side, uh, I was expecting with uh, Scott Gao retiring that Christian Gao would take over the role of, of best Canadian. Mm -hmm. If I remember correctly, I think Adam Runnels might have actually had a better season than Christian, or at least comparable. They were very close, but Adam Runnels yeah. was was a little bit ahead. Yep. Yeah. So um, I think Adam again, Runnels had a really solid year from start to finish. It, it, yeah. You know, it was it was very it was good. It was nice to see. And he's not what is he like twenty? I think he's still under the, under twenty five. Yeah. Yeah, he's twenty four. Yeah. So that's really. That's that's gonna be fun to watch him. Mm -hmm. I liked, uh, and I think for the Americans, Paul Schomer had a uh, had really good results, but I think he got sick or had an injury yep. or something. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, he had a knee injury all year, so he started late and finished early. Sean Doherty had a really good close to the year, right? Uh, yeah, the last three weeks he was he was getting in there. Um, we'll talk about him, this guy, a little bit more on the juniors pod, like the up and coming pod that we do. But mm -hmm. uh, Maxime Germain. Uh, got mm -hmm. his feet wet on the World Cup a little bit, and yeah. then he got a bronze at the at the Junior Worlds. Um, so uh, mm -hmm. he yeah, could no, be. He... I think he's like 
he's young. He's like 23 also. So, um, right. Yeah. It'll be fun to, <clears throat> fun to see him coming up. Um, I had one more stat. Um, if that's okay with you, just for Please. the season in general, yes. for the yes. IBU. Yeah. So, um, I compared the last three years, the number of, uh, athletes for the different levels and then compared them 2021, 21, 22, and 22, 23. And I also did that for participants. So we actually had a bit of a drop in the level one. So the World Cup level, hmm. including world championships. We went from uh, 367 athletes last year to 323. Uh, and for participants, it was uh, just over three and a half thousand two years ago, almost 4,000 last season. And then in the latest season, 3,600. Um, similar trend in the level two, so IBU cup, but then on the third level, so juniors and, um, and youth, we went from 420 to 470 to 528, uh, in the last three years. Yeah. And that's a, uh, there's more boys than girls every season, last three seasons, but they're both, uh, increasing quite significantly cool. and also uh yeah participants also they went from uh just over a thousand to twenty three and a half hundred and over three thousand this season nice so that's amazing if if i read that correctly that means that we have a, a lot more athletes and b a lot more athletes participating in races yeah that's which fun. can yeah. only mean that we you know not only see more talent coming up, but also that there's generally more biathletes at the young level. Yeah. Or more that there's more to... funding for yeah, them exactly. to, because yeah. I know, for example, that Canada went to the youth and junior Olymp world championships with a lot more athletes this year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not, not really around the corner, Kazakhstan. So no, it's incredibly um, far away. You know, yeah. last year, Soldier Hollow, like that's about as close as it's going to get unless it's yeah, actually in yeah. Canmore, right? I mean, like that's yeah. it. But I mean, that was that was just Canada. But um, yeah. yeah, no, so significant increase. So whether it's more talent coming through or just more kits in biathlon or if it's just more funding so more athletes can can go to these races, I I don't know what the, the cause is, but it's great to see that, uh, that it's growing. So uh, biathlon stats, this is like our fifth time mentioning him in the last two weeks but um <laughs> he had a hashtag that went during the summer last year i don't know if he'll resurrect it but it was is uh is biathlon growing and i think the answer is unequivocally yes like it's definitely mm -hmm. growing it's um more people are getting interested and and more people are not only being interested but actually participating and yeah um, so i think that's that's very cool um, well and i think that the the, the Obviously, I, I didn't dive into it, but my guess is because countries like Germany and Norway and Italy, France, they probably are pretty close to their maximum capacity when it comes to how many athletes you can have mm -hmm. uh, at races. So I I would hope that that means that there's a lot of smaller countries that uh, had more participants. So I think that's even a, a oh. better... I would say smaller right. countries or countries that just hadn't participated in the past. Like we yeah. uh, talked a lot when we did the, uh, we just briefly mentioned the junior worlds and, and you did the interview with the, uh, the Mexican biathletes. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I think that there are definitely athletes from different countries who are, are starting to get involved. That's kind of, I mean, yeah. And I mean, we had the world championships in Kazakhstan. So I noticed there was a significant increase from Kazakhstan athletes. Yes. yes. Um, yeah. Which makes sense because they didn't have to travel, but at the same time, um, maybe a world championship like this can just increase the interest and the facilities are, are amazing. So, um, yeah, you know, the, the opportunities are there. So yeah, that's, uh, all the numbers I got. So if you have, do you have anything left that you wanted to bring up or should we close it off here? as far as biathlon goes i'm i'm pretty good but i did want to say a big thank you to everybody who's listened to at any point yeah. right but especially this season and everybody who's been a part of our our little biathlon family online and uh has so many people have honestly so many people have dropped a line or or sent a message and just said how much they enjoy the podcast or they've uh, yeah. commented about something that we have said on here and every now and then someone will comment on something that we said at like the hour 10 mark on a podcast and i'm like oh my god you weren't listening that's amazing <laughs> yeah. so i i just want to say i really appreciate everybody and uh yeah you know, thank, thank you, you for listening much. and um you know and, and thank you for for chatting with us online I, I i think i speak for both rj and myself but we really appreciate it and um yeah i, I love this sport i love our uh, i love our group of uh of friends that we've uh we've we've made on on uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram and elsewhere. So thank you everybody for, for, for being here. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Yeah. And thank you, Jordan, for doing this because it gives me a lot of joy and a lot of different ways to look at uh, biathlon. So absolutely. No, I know. Full and, season in, or well, a f first full season in the books. And I'm yes. uh, looking forward to many more, but yeah, uh, well, we'll continue so over the summer too. So the, the season is over, but we are not. Uh, we'll be continuing. I think we, uh, we we've, <laughs> There's a, there's a, there's a couple minutes in here that we cut out because it ended up just being us chatting about <laughs> things that we wanted to do, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, we've got, we've got more pods that are already scheduled for the next couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, you'll be he hearing a lot of us in the next, in the next few months. Oh, one more thing I wanted to say, I mm. had my first submission for a free trigger. Oh, um, I reached out to that person that because he was the first, I'm going to do that one regardless, yes. but yeah. if there's any other submissions. Uh, on biathlonanalytics.com slash trigger. Um, you're going to be in for the raffle in a couple of weeks to uh, to do another one uh, for free. Of course, if you want to make a donation, that's also appreciated. But uh, yes, right. it's very exciting. Everybody go uh, check it out. Actually, and, and while you're there, go go check out the the um, uh, the dashboards that, that RJ has posted. So you'll kind of, you'll get an idea, you know, if you haven't looked at them already, of the quality of work you're going to be getting. Cause, uh, I'm going to embarrass him again. I did this last week, but, uh, it's just very high quality and I'm, I'm not laughing cause it's funny. I'm laughing cause I'm watching RJ turn away from the camera. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, so I would say generally the, the most feedback I get is I wish you would have told me that I should take an, an hour out of my day to go through this because uh, once <laughs> yes, you're hooked, yeah. uh, apparently it's hard to let go of, but, uh, no, it's it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, the more people enjoy it, the better it is, and uh, the more fun it is to make. So, all right, all right. Let's uh, let's let everybody go. Yes, thanks everyone for listening. <laughs> Thank and, you so uh, much, guys. We'll we'll talk. We to you keep very soon. we keep trying to uh, to do it under an hour, but yeah, too much to talk about. Yeah, if we do, if we if we do, we'll we'll have a celebration. Sounds good. <laughs> I guess. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye.